Everybody glad to be here? Give me a little smile. Give me a little smile. Tell me you're good. Okay. All right. Hey, can we do me a favor and can we welcome our online campus and our Framingham campus? Can we give them our best this morning? We love you guys. So glad that you're with us. And uh, man, we, um, we had a powerful worship experience so far. Amen. I'm so proud of you guys. I'm so proud of you guys that you guys like, you know, you don't just come in here and sit on your blessed assurance. Like you get into it. You know what I mean? And uh, you get after it. We're here, to, we're here to worship God and give him our heart and, and, and not just get something, but give something. You know, it's, it, it, wouldn't it, it should be a value that at least 20 minutes, like, it's all about Jesus. It's not about me. Can I have an amen or an oh me in here, somebody? It should be, let's give 20 Jesus of, like, hardcore, it's about you, we worship you. And, and uh, you know, I, I, I believe, I was a worship leader in this church for 14 years and uh, some of you glad you were here during that time. Uh, but uh, I could make a joyful noise. But anyway, um, but I just learned the, the principle and, the, and just the power of being a worshiper because it gets you outside of yourself. And as soon as you lift Jesus higher, the Bible says not only does he draw all men into yourself, but he makes your problem smaller when you lift him higher. Amen? Yeah. Amen. Say so this is good preaching so far, and I haven't even started yet, okay? So let's get into our message today. If you got your worship guides, you can take those out. We're in the second installment of a series entitled Legacy. Everybody say Legacy. Legacy. How to live a life that lives on, you know? And uh, we want to see things kind of go, go beyond us. And uh, we're going to talk about legacy today. Um, if you're here for the first time, first of all, I, I hope to get a chance to meet you. Uh, I was out for a little while for a few weeks. I let some of the team kind of carry, carry the torch for a little while, doing some other things uh, through the ministry. But um, I might not have met you last week, but I'll, I'll, you'll see me a lot now for, for a while. I'll be on a long run here. But um, I wanted to uh, say something that I said last week, and I hope you kind of hear my heart on this. Um, and, and because, especially if you're new, because we don't talk about resources or finances like a lot. We have like a series maybe once a year. Um, we don't pass a plate here in this church. Um, and a lot of people think we're crazy for that. We haven't passed a plate in over 10 years uh, on a, you know, in terms of like taking up offerings or tithes in a church. And some people come in and they're like, what, how do you, what, what's going on? How do you do this? You know? And so I'll, I'll get into that little by little, but, um, Basically, I don't want people, you know, God kind of led me with the vision of our church to teach people to be uh, predetermined, uh, not under compulsion, um, cheerful givers. It's biblical. And yet what happens is because a plate is passed sometimes every week, and I'm not knocking people for do that. There could be a day we're supposed to do that. I don't know. You know, I'm just telling you why we do it the way we do it. So please don't take this as we're better than somebody else. That is not my point. This is just what, what we do. I just was trying to encourage people not to tip God or guilt give God or do it, you know, because the guy next to you just did it and I want to look like him. Okay, that, that's not giving. That's not a heart of generosity. Is everybody with me right now? It's getting quiet in this Catholic church early. Okay, so, so but, but once in a while, everybody say once in a while. Once in a while, we take an offering. And, and so we have like a special offering. If we do it, it'll be for like, you know, a catastrophe, a national catastrophe. It could be for somebody that is just sinking. You know, they're, they're, they're getting swallowed up by the circumstances and we can make a major difference. We can do something big. Uh, and then once in a while, we do it for things related to the vision of this church. We've had... We had a capital campaign here years ago called Connect the Dots, and, um, and as a result, we were able to renovate this whole facility. Uh, we, we launched a campus. 
uh, in Framingham. Come on, Framingham. Everybody's getting excited over there right now. And, um, and, and, and we did that through just this immediate spiritual family. And people gave above and beyond what they normally give sacrificially. And, man, it was like our church was on fire when that happened because there's a direct connection between um, what's in your wallet and what's going on in your heart. There's literally like, there's like an attachment, you know, between those two things, you know, and, and, in, and you know, in the, in the days of old when the, when the, the crusades, when the crusaders would get baptized, they would go under the water when they were baptized, but they would hold their swords out as if to say, I'm not surrendering that part of me. And I think people are getting baptized today and they're holding their wallets out. That's funny. I don't care what you guys say right now. There's a part of us that we hold out because God knows they're, they're, they're just connected. They're connected. So, so this, this little mini-series, whether you believe it or not, it is not about increasing funds for you or, or funds for the church. It's going to be about, if you, if you receive it, increasing your faith. Because, because God, when you became, those of you who have, became a Christ follower, that's when you, you, you surrendered that you couldn't save yourself, that Jesus came to save you, and by grace through faith, you received what he did for you. Those of you who've made that decision, you were, you, something changed. Because when you were born, you were born selfish. You, when you were born, like, you were like, you know, gimme, gimme, my name is Jimmy. Like, you, you were, <laughs> me, myself, and I, you know, mine, 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 mine. Like, that was natural for you to do that. I, I love watching, you know, my, 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 grand, my grandsons, you know, they can, they can be loving and sometimes they can be like, you know, you can see that nature kind of come out of them because they're not saved yet. They're just little sinners. <laughs> they need to be saved. And I'm, and I'm telling them that on a regular basis. And when they can come of age, they will be saved <laughs> if I have anything to do with it. But when you're born, you're born selfish. But listen, when you're born again, you're born with the nature of God and you're born to be generous. But listen, so that's, you, begin, you receive a new nature in Christ Jesus, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, but you have to condition the heart to be generous. So, like, you make a decision to receive Jesus, but you have to be discipled to follow him. You make, you, when you make a decision, you become a new creation, but that creation has to be conformed, not to the pattern of the world, but to the pattern of God, conditioned and conformed through discipleship and through passing some tests. Is everybody with me right now? So for you to see some of the generosity flow through you, which by the way, this is not, we don't give to get, we give to give. We give so he can keep on giving. We're blessed to be a blessing. And so that's what, is that me? Can somebody yell it back at me? Sound, hi. Is that me? I, okay. I don't know what I'm doing. Praise God. You just tell me what I'm doing. I'm just moving it around. Just moving it around, okay? So I'm going to keep going. And, and if, if it happens again, just bring me a handheld. Um, but is everybody with me? Hi. Yes. I'm good if you're good. Okay. So, so God's going to, once in a while, he's going to give us these tests and, and these, these, or these opportunities to condition our heart to be giving. See, a lot of times, most, most people live their life thinking generosity is just random acts of kindness. And, I, and trust me, I'm for that. I'm for like, like I have gift cards in my car that I can give away at any moment if, if the Holy Spirit prompts me to give something. So I, they're right in my armrest, bam, I can do something. And sometimes, not all the time, but I carry like a little extra cash 
so that if Holy Spirit says something, I can do something. Pay for somebody's groceries. I can take care of that, buy that coffee. do that. Well, Chick-fil-A I get for myself. But anyway, uh, <laughs> but I'm all for those random acts of kindness. But listen, listen, listen. That, there's, sometimes there's a generosity that's above and beyond. It's a sacrificial giving. And listen, most of you have not experienced that. And as a result, most of you have not experienced the blessing that comes from seeing God do something amazing through you when you give above and beyond you. So, so, so December 1st, everybody say December 1st. December 1st. We're going to have what we call a legacy offering. It's a one-time offering, okay? We, 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 we had one maybe in January. I keep saying that, and I don't know why I haven't researched it. But I think we've only had, this will be our second one of the year. So if you're here and you're like, oh, gosh, you're passing the plate, it, be quiet, okay? And so it's the second time of the year. Give me a break, okay? So we're going to, and this offering is go, goes to the vision of Connect, not paying bills and lights, but to our strategic vision. In other words, what we do for others. And we have five critical areas that we give to that really are part of our vision. If this is your church, this is your house, this is your opportunity to help move the ball down the field faster. What I mean by that is, Anything that I would show you in just a second, we're doing it now, and we're going to continue to do it, but we can do it faster if you participate in this offering, because 100% of it is going to this offering. Has everybody got, got me? Yep. Okay, so if I go away at Christmas time, and you know, I'm someplace, I didn't spend your money and go there. Okay? And by the way, I'm not going anywhere, but I just don't, it, this is 100% of this is going to the vision. So these five vision areas are, number one, local ministry, okay? So we have local missions. We do things here right within the radius of this church. And there's a lot of things that we do, and some of them will, go ahead, some of them will be listed. Um, this is just some of the examples, okay? This is, I don't know, our 14th year doing a turkey outreach. We could give, you know, 800 turkeys away to the community. Um, we're going to do that in faith, whether you guys give or not, because there are already faithful tithers, and we, and we budget, and we prepare, and we do our best to continue to be good stewards of the resources that you entrust us with. But th those are examples, and there are many other things underneath that. And then we have domestic uh, or national uh, ministry that we do, and, and a lot of that has to do with, um, like, we have strategic partners that we go deep and long with. And I'm a big fan of, um, of coaching uh, churches by coaching pastors. So I've been in ministry 28 years. I know you guys think I'm so young and good-looking, and you can't believe that. But I've been pastoring a long, long time. And so part of my calling, and our ministry, our, actually our church's calling is to help other churches. We're blessed. We're, we're in New England. You don't, you don't see this in New England, okay? The, the average church in New England is, is like 45 people, okay? And so, so to help, we, we're blessed to be a blessing. So we help other pastors. And if you can help a pastor, it's one of the most strategic ways to help a church. Because if a pastor's healthy, there's a better chance the church be healthy. Amen? So instead of being territorial, like, we're better than you, and us four no more, and we're right, you know, I know, it's tight, and I know we're right, and all that kind of stupid stuff that people do in ministry. We help other churches and help raise the water level of the Holy Spirit in their church, knowing that God will, in turn, continue to bless us because we've been blessing them. Come on, somebody. I'm preaching these announcements, okay? If you're going to clap, for the love of Pete, clap. All right. So, <laughs> come on, come on, come on. We're helping people. We're doing things that God wants us to do. Amen? 
We're planting churches, okay? We're planting churches, and we're part of a church planting organization that has that now come over 900 churches that we planted. Uh, it's just incredible, and we get to see those same churches do what we're doing with other people because of the kind of ministry we're part of. And then we have international missions, and we, we have many partners that we go deep with on this. We actually allocate a percentage of our gross income to some of our mission partners, sometimes 2%, and, 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 and sometimes, which you know, doesn't sound like a big deal, but it is when it all adds up to all your ministry partners because our, our ministry is giving like sometimes 12 percent, 13 percent, you know, of our total budget, which means, and then we're saving on top of that, which means we're living on, we're stewarding well. Does everybody get what I'm saying? And so we're planting churches, but we're also doing international missions. One of the things we do when we go deep with is we, we started our own mission in the Dominican Republic. And this last year, we opened three hope centers in the DR, so we're reaching hundreds and hundreds of kids, and we're scheduled to launch three more in the DR as well. Some of you uh, fell in love with what we're doing in Pakistan. Um, and we're seeing people set free from the brick kilns, uh, families and, and children that have been enslaved in the brick kilns. And, and, and we gave a lot of money last year to that. We continue to do that this next year. We're going to continue to sponsor Bibles so they can have their crusades. I'm supposed to do an online crusade at the end of this month. I haven't told my assistant that, but if she's here, pay attention because I have to figure out how to do that. Uh, but they'll be on the other side of my computer. I'll just be speaking through my computer, and there could be thousands of people as I'm just doing a, a little, uh, you know, I was gonna, what do you call it? The... Um, the, the, the method by which Skype, Skype, that's the word, Skype. I was, I was going to say Skynet. That's from like Terminator or something like that. And, and <laughs> anyway, and so these are just some of the examples of the things that we go deep. And then lastly, we do, uh, we do uh, leadership. Not lastly, but fourthly, we do leadership. And so we, we believe that not just in financial resources, which is what most churches focus on, is that we focus on human resources. In order for churches to be healthy, you have to continue to build leaders. Right? Can I, can I have an amen? Another, for churches to grow and be healthy, like, it's all about people. It's all about people. So we're doing things to invest in people. We just finished our fourth semester of Connect Leadership Academy. We believe a lot of those people will go and do ministry. A lot of those people will lead ministry here. A lot of those people become staff as we continue to grow and, 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 and start other sites and other locations. And then lastly, we have projects. Everybody say projects. There's always projects. Just one of the things that I'll highlight here uh, behind me is because of all of you here, you bring a bunch of kids. And all those kids are downstairs. And they're swinging from the rat. No, they're not. But they're, they're, there's order. But to keep it order, uh, sometimes we need, we need uh, facilities to be, able to, to be able to handle that. And so we're trying to create a, little, a few little renovations, little adjustments with inside the footprint of this building without spending a lot of money. And so that's some of the stuff that Legacy Offering is going to. Is everybody with me right now? Is everybody with me right now? Okay, so I want you, what I want you to do, what I asked last week, is I'm asking you to pray. I'm not asking you to give. I'm asking you to pray and talk to God and just do what he says. And I'll just say this parenthetically, that I know if you talk to God, he's going to talk to you about giving. <laughs> You're like, that's sneaky how you did that. No, no, I just know because God's a giver. Now, if you can't do it, and I believe that's possible, that's possible that you can't do that right now because God's working some things out and he's ordering some things in your life, uh, then I know that uh, you're probably one of those people that, that will give again in the future. Maybe you're one of those people that gave in the past, and I want to say thank you for that. So feel no pressure if you can't participate. But I'm encouraging you to pray 
and really pray. A lot of people say that they're going to pray and they nod their head and they say yes in church and then they don't do it. I, I'm, I have a little bit of a challenger in me sometimes because I'm a pastor and I want to help people grow. So I'm really asking you to pray. I'm asking you to plan, like talk about it. If you're flying solo, get some counsel on it. If you're married, talk to your spouse about it. My wife and I talked about it yesterday or the day before and we came up with a number. I usually come up with a number and try to get her to say yes. No, I'm just kidding. But um, but that's that's kind of how it flows. But we're, on, we're in agreement and I'll just say this, it's sacrificial what we're going to do. So I'm not going to ask you to do something that I'm not willing to do myself. I'm not just a pastor here. I'm a Christian and I'm a member of this church as well. And I'm all in. I'm all in. And so I promise you, um, you know, that this, this, this legacy offering means something to me too. It's not something that I'm trying. I want God to do a work in my heart and I want to do something that's sacrificial as well. Amen. See, with resources, you can use them for yourself, which sometimes you have to, to a point. You can blow it. You can just, like, pour stewardship, or you can sow it. And a lot of people don't actually experience something that is going to outlive them. And all these areas that I just gave you, those are all legacy areas. Those are things that will continue and continue and continue beyond yourself. Amen? All right, so get your worship guides out. In 22 minutes, 47 seconds, I'm going to give you a little message on... Uh, the poorest person in Israel, the poorest person in Israel. I doubt uh, any of you were poor, more poor than her or had less resources than her. I actually refer to her in the Bible as the poor old widow. The Bible doesn't say she was old, but that's just how I see her. You know, I have um, my wife's grandmother who's gone on to be with the Lord years ago. Her name was Tabby. I don't, in the South, you just name people stuff that makes no sense. I don't know why they call her that, but it was a cute little name. But Tabby was this little old lady and she had a cane, and she would always be bent over when she was coming to talk to you. Oh, Derek, you're so cute, you know? And I used to call Tabby, it was really mean, but I used to call her the human question mark. <laughs> Sorry about that. Anyway, I love you, Tabby. Um, but she was just this sweet, old, poor, dirt poor lady. And so when I think of the story, I just, I just see Tabby in my mind, okay? So Mark chapter 12, verse 41, here's what it says. Look at this with me in your notes. It says, now Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how the people put money into the treasury. And many who were rich put in much. Then one poor widow, everybody say poor widow. She came and threw in two mites, which makes a quadrants. I'll come back to that in a little bit. So he called his disciples to himself. Hey, guys, get over here. Assuredly, I say to you that this poor widow has put in more, everybody say more, than all those who had given to the treasury. For they all put in out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty put in all she had, her whole livelihood. So I want to give you three things that Jesus sees in this, in, the, in this story, but in our lives, that actually precede the heart or the attitude of a giver. Last week we talked about fundamentally obedience, when we talked about the story or the sign or the miracle of water being turned to wine. Uh, G, uh, Jesus' mother said to Jesus, uh, they have no more wine. And then she said to the men, just do whatever he tells you. And then Jesus said, I told them what to do, and then they did it. So Jesus did what the mother said, she ob he obeyed. The men did what Jesus said, they obeyed, and they saw a miracle. The major part of last week's message was obedience precedes provision. And so if you want to see God's supernatural intervention in your life, obey, do what he says. If you don't know what he says, go to his word or pray and talk to him about it, and he'll tell you. Can I have an amen? And I'll say one more thing that's strong that I said last week. But obedience, if, if you're struggling, like you're bored, 
in your Christianity, it's usually connected to a lack of obedience. You start doing what God says. There are a lot of people in Christians a long, long time, and they're fired up and they're doing great. It's because they're living a life of obedience. If you're struggling or you're bored in your faith, it's, it's always connected to are you doing what he says. Don't just look in the mirror and then, you know, and then walk away and there's no change. God wants you to actually do what he says. Amen? And so this story, uh, the first point I want to give you from this story is that Jesus sees people no one else sees. This story reveals that Jesus sees people that no one else sees. Now, you're not going to change the world if you don't see as Jesus sees. But if you see as Jesus sees, you can't help but do something about it. And so this, we know from this story that this woman was really poor. In fact, in the original language, this word poor means beggar. In fact, it's the same word that we see in the story of Lazarus and the poor beggar in Luke chapter 16. The word actually denotes uh, poverty, destitute, uh, like the, a person who is miserably poor, like horribly, horribly poor. And, and that's how, how poor she was. And yet Jesus saw her. And I venture to say um, that, 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 that when she went to church, people didn't see her. I venture to say that when she went to church, probably not that many people talked to her. But Jesus sees people no one else sees. And you know what? We're called to be the hands and feet of Jesus. But before we can be the hands and feet of Jesus, we need to see like Jesus. Like one of the things that I'm concerned about for myself and for you, as my wife would say, for you all, is that we come to church and we don't see people that Jesus sees. I think about that in a big service like this and how many people, you know, um, you know, could be missed or overlooked or not connected with. And, and, and as we grow, I've known this about ministry and people who are in ministry. We can easily become about uh, task over people and the show over, I like to say the flow. I can't help myself, but the flow time, the in-between. See, it's just as important to me that you connect in between church than when we're actually having church sitting in your seats and somebody's talking to you. Can I have an amen out there? So, I, last week, I was looking for some friends at the door. I, I, I anticipated them coming to a particular service because I know the service that they come to. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, son, I, want you to, I don't want you to just see your friends. I want you to see the people that I see. And I, I think I'm pretty good at noticing things. I, I, I love people. I care about people. I obsess sometimes about people's problems and trying to fix them and things like that. It's a, a blessing and a curse at the same time. But, but I said, God, help me see the way you see. And, you know, right in that moment, I kind of had like an illumination. It was almost like I, the scales came off my eyes at, at another layer. And I was looking around, and I saw a woman who was around a bunch of people, but she was alone. The Holy Spirit was showing me she's alone. I saw a teenager that looked very, very sad, very, very, like, depressed, perhaps, and, and, and disconnected. I saw another guy who looked under it. He looked, he looked stressed. He looked really like, you know, kind of oppressed. And, 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 and I told God, I said, God, I see dead people. <laughs> He's like, son, that's not funny. Anyway, um, but it's just how we, you know, how we roll. But when you look in here, or when you're out there, I hope you walk away and you see people that Jesus sees. Because Jesus sees people that nobody else sees. And, and, and I, hope you do, I hope you do as well. Look at what the word says about people Jesus sees. In Psalm 68, 5, it says this. He's a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows. This is God whose dwelling is holy. God sees the fatherless. I actually 
connect with this one because I, 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 I try to be a good father and I try to father people even in a spiritual family as well. But, but, but God sees people who are, who are fatherless. Uh, look what he says in Exodus 22. This is super strong. Verse 22, he says, you must not exploit a widow or an orphan. If you exploit them in any way and they cry out to me, I'm going to hear their cry. My anger will blaze against you. Holy smokes. And I will kill you with the sword. Holy. Wow. This is, uh, thank God the Old Testament is over. Then your wives will be widows and your children fatherless. He sees widows and he gets fired up about them. And I'll show you a scripture in the New Testament to see that he's still fired up about it in just a little bit. Uh, James 1.27, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. He sees the orphans. See, at the holidays, as we're approaching the holidays, I hope you see people. You see people, our vision is to connect the disconnected to God, to their purpose in God. But you got to see people. Everybody's disconnected from God at some level. And some worse than others. But we have to see them. And if we see them, we can't help but do something about that. God will, God will involve you. Have you ever noticed that God is always for the underdog when you're reading your Bible? I mean, Matthew, Mark, Luke, you go on through all the scriptures, you're going to see that he's just always coming behind the person. The, 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 the average Joe to God is the next rock star. Just the, the average guy, you know what I mean? He'll always stop, drop, and roll for those kind of people. Jesus cares about those kind of people. He stops for those kind of people. Here's another thing he does. He sees the unsaved, or I like to say the pre-believers. Pre-believers. That means if they, if they knew what you knew, they'd want what you have. But they're not going to know what you know if you don't tell them what you have so they can have it. What? <laughs> what did he just say? Uh, God sees people who are disconnected from them, and he's burdened by that. In fact, one story in the New Testament, there was this guy named Cornelius, and he wasn't a Christian. He wasn't a Christ follower. He, didn't, he hadn't received eternity. He had a hole in his heart. But because he gave alms to the poor, he gave money to the poor, he recognized somebody in need, God saw that and said, send one of my best, send one of the apostles, Peter, directly on a special assignment and give him VIP treatment and unpack the truths of, of my word to him. And so Peter went and met this guy Cornelius and shared the faith with him. And because he gave his physical riches, he later received eternal riches and gave his life to Christ. All be, see, Jesus, you know, sees people that no one else sees. And so this is an unofficial kind of big idea, but if there's anyone that ought to see people that no one sees, it ought to be the church of Jesus Christ. We ought to be good at that. Can I have an amen? Yeah. Let's, let's be not just supposedly his hands and feet. That won't happen if we don't, if we don't have his eyes. And, and I think it's important that we get good at this. You know, we got all kinds of people out there that are crazy nuts and porcupine people and peculiar people that are in the world. I was talking to somebody uh, recently, they're in ministry, and they were, they were European, they had a very, very thick accent, and I was trying to talk with them, but I, I was having a hard time understanding them. And this one gentleman was saying, you know, we have, we have um, a ministry to the elderly, uh, we, we help a lot of old people over 40 years old. <laughs> and I was like, come again, come again. You know, I was about to give him the smackdown on the phone. You know what I'm saying? And I was just sort of smirking inside. And the wife goes, oh, oh, pastor, we're sorry. We're sorry. That's not what he meant. Uh, what did you mean? No. And so she goes, no, no, no. Seriously, we love you. We watch, you know, all your messages online. We are fed up with your teachings. What she meant, what she meant was she was spiritually fed by the teachings. She said fed up. See, you guys all got offended. See how easy it is to happen? 
you got offended and you weren't even on the phone. But anyway, so I said, join the crowd, whatever. Um, but we got to see people, we got to see sort of past people and see people as God sees them. Can I have an amen? Number two, write this down. Uh, Jesus sees actions that no one else sees. Jesus sees actions that no one else sees. See, uh, back to the story. So he sees the woman give her offering, which basically tells us emphatically that he watched her and others give. He sits opposite. So there's a connection box back there, which many people put a connection card in. Some people put an offering or a tithe in there. So it would have been like he's sitting in the back there, and he takes the chair out of the main auditorium, and he pulls it up right next to the box. And as you guys are going out of church, which is what people do here because we don't pass a plate, people just fill out an envelope, and they put it in the box. He sat right there, and he watched. He watched everybody go by and what they gave. Hello. Can you imagine if Jesus was here and he watched us give or not give at church? Woo. Just got, just got like Catholic church here again. Okay. See, the truth is he, he, he does. See, Jesus, according to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same God that does that. And so I believe, and by the way, when we give, we shouldn't give we should give for an audience of one. We, should, we worship for an audience of one. We, give to an, we live for an audience of one. We live as if Jesus is watching. One of the things that keeps your behavior in check, that keeps you from falling into temptation, sinning, going backwards, is knowing that God is watching. God is watching. The Bible says, you know, that we're, we're, everything is laid naked and bare before the eyes of him to whom we must, the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. So one day we're going to stand before God for our lives. And so it's not that he just sees what, how we live. He also sees how we give. He sees how we give as well. Is everybody with me out there? So, in fact, there's a verse in Hebrews 7. You can put this in your notes. Bonus, Hebrews 7, 8. This is how it applies to church. You say, well, Jesus isn't back there. Okay, 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 hold up, hold up, hold up. Some of you theologians, wannabes. Okay, Hebrews 7, 8 says, though mortal hands accept it, Jesus receives it. See, so when you give to God in church, you... Jesus is the one receiving that. Say, well, I'm giving it to man. That's mortal hands. But it is Jesus that receives. Because he's watching you give to, listen to this. The church is not a building. The church is a people. That's one reference in scripture. But another reference in scripture is the church is the bride of Christ. So he's watching to see how you, the temple or God's church, he cares about that. Because he was in church watching people give within the story. So it's obvious he does. But there's other places all over the Bible where it talks about give, you know, with the house of the Lord, the places, name abide, the temple, to the church, etc., etc. So God is watching to see where we give. And the church is important to him. And he, he's, when, when you give it here, he's receiving it there. Is everybody with me right now? Amen. Hebrews 7, 8. This is good teaching whether you, whether you see it or not. So he sees the actions of the widow who has a little in the story, but he also sees the actions of the rich who have a lot. And you and I look at this and may think different things. Like this scripture says in Mark, they gave much. Hang on on that because when you understand the languages a little bit, and I, I don't have time to teach all this, but let me unpack some of the denominations, uh, the um, definitions of the, the, um, the, the monetary definitions within this story. The, they, they were giving in this story brass pennies, okay? Uh, sometimes referred to as a caucus, sometimes 
Uh, there were, you know, depending if you're looking at Roman money or Jewish money. Uh, in fact, one scripture in Matthew 10, 9 says, provide neither gold nor silver nor copper, that copper means brass pennies, in your money belts, uh, nor for your bags, for your, nor bag for your journey, nor tunics, nor sandals, nor staffs, for a worker is worthy of his food. So God's teaching us to work. Another translation, another place, he tells us that don't do those things because I'm going to provide for you. So Jesus was always trying to reinforce that he's our provider. Um, but in this story, the smallest coin, this quadrants, is a, it's one quarter of a penny, and it took 10 Jewish pennies to make up one Roman penny. A Roman penny was a denarius, a denarius. But, and, but and that, that, it took 10 Jewish pennies to make up that one Roman penny. And so this was a Jewish woman. She gave a quarter of a penny. She gave 1 40th of a denarius. Now, at this particular time, when you were working, you would receive 10 pennies for a day's wages. But in certain professions or certain people, you could receive much less. A poor widow received a quarter. She received one-fortieth of a day's wages. She was poor. She was poor. So when she puts in her offering, Jesus sees it because he knows all things, and he is, it, it caught his attention right away. And, and, and then it says, but many who were rich put in much. They put it, it, the real wording there, or the translation in the Greek is, many who were rich put in many. Many what? Not many gold coins, not many silver coins, many brass pennies. So the rich, she just put in a, just a quadrants, two quadrants, and the rich put in many pennies. So these rich people are walking out of church, and this is what got Jesus all upset. They're walking out of church, ching, 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 ching. It's just a bunch of pennies but they're rich. She puts in two quadrants, which is literally one is a quarter of a penny, quarter of a denarius. Is everybody with me right now? So Jesus is looking at that and he's like, they were putting in many, many pennies and they were very rich. And for her, because he knows all things because he's God, she's giving a day's wages. If she was going to have a meal that day, she was going to have to be invited over somebody's house. This is a serious, serious deal. Pastor, they put in a lot. They put in a lot of pennies. They put in a lot of brass pennies. And, 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 and Jesus is sitting there watching this, and this is kind of what he got upset. And the offering, by the way, was for the church. It was for the temple and because, again, it was his bride. And, and, and Jesus is not looking in the story and saying how, how much they give. He's looking to see how much they had to give. It, this story reveals that proportion to or relation to what you have matters to God. In fact, it says it like this, um, this, this. By the way, this is why the Bible references percentage giving throughout the scriptures because it puts us on an equal playing field because her sacrifice was like this and their sacrifice was like that. That's why God does it like that. And, and in fact, in 1 Corinthians 16 too, is everybody with me right now? In 1 Corinthians 16, 2, this is what it says. This is New Testament now, not Old Testament. It says, on every Lord's day. Boy, we've gotten away from this. So that would be every Sunday. Each of you, everybody say, I'm an each. Each of you should put aside uh, an amount of money, look at this, in relation to what you have earned and save it for the offering. So each week, this is encouraging you, New Testament text, you should, each of you, each week, should put aside a 
portion of money proportionate to your in, percentage of your money, percentage to your, your income, and you, you put it in the offering as it relates to the temple. That's, that's what this is saying right there. And that is why, for some of us, it gets harder later to give proportionate to our income because we didn't start earlier. See, when I started tithing, tithing is a tenth of your gross income, all of your increase, I believe. That's what it teaches. And I started that 28 years ago, 28 years ago. And I've never stopped. I've done that my whole life, my whole life. And I'm just telling you as a testimony, God has provided, blessed. I have four kids. Come on, somebody. I need need Jesus (laughs) or a lot of money, okay? And so... um, so, so during this whole, this, this, when I first started, it was, it was a little scary because I was thinking, it was mostly because I thought what I was about to give was a lot of money. Now looking back, I'm like, that wasn't a lot of money. That was a little bit of money compared to what it is, compared to what it is today. But because I formed the habit, I trusted the promises of God that he's my source. I'm not my source. My, my, my employer's not my source. God is my source. When I believe the promises of God, I see that the lesson, the principle, when I see that I get a weekly test each, each, each week, each I put each of us put a portion aside each week. I get a weekly test, and I'm not saying you have to give weekly, but some of you get paid monthly, some of you get paid when you get paid, and all that kind of stuff. Whenever you get paid, you give a percentage of all that you have. Don't make it complicated. Don't get legalistic about it, but be be steady about it. Prioritize. It's about making him first, not not so much about amounts. Is everybody with me right now? And so as as I was doing that, God was, I trusted the promises of God. I I, I realized also, listen, that Jesus was watching. Jesus was watching. That influences me. And I think the Bible says he's a rewarder of those who seek him, who follow him in accordance with his word. Is everybody out there still? So, so, um, just, just understand this. God, people, God sees people nobody else sees. God sees actions no one else uh, sees as well. And can I be honest? Listen, this is a tough little moment here. God sees how much you give. Because he's not just watching her. He's watching me. He's watching you. And, and I think what you got to do with those moments is, one is, a thought could go in your head right now. See, this is all about him getting money from me. If you think that, listen to me. Listen. You won't hear this many places. Go to another church if you think that. If you don't trust that God called you here and that the pastor's not trying to get something from you. Go someplace else. This is what I tell you to do. Give there. Go all in. Be a giver. Follow what God says. I promise you. I'm not, this is for you. But when you hear a truth like that, that God sees you give and that you have like this choice inside you, am I going to believe that or do something about that? Or, you know, rationalize it, compartmentalize it or whatever. Like, but I would say this, if you do, Obedience brings the supernatural intervention of God into your life. It just does. It, you, you, just try it. See what happens. Go for it. Give, give, give it a chance. God will do some incredible things. Because Jesus, in this story, he had healed the sick. He had opened blind eyes. He had uh, healed the beggar. He'd done all these incredible things. But he decides in this kind of final week of his life to stop everything, time out, everybody. This is what he does in this story. He calls his, his boys over, his posse over, and says, check this woman out. She gave more than all of you. That's what he did in this story. He gave more than everybody here. She, she gave more than everybody here. He wanted everybody to know about this woman. He see, Why? Because he sees actions no one else sees. Here's my last point. Everybody say, thank Jesus. It's his last point. Okay. <laughs> 
Because if he gets worse than this, it's going down. Okay, number three. Come on, Framingham. Jesus sees attitudes no one sees. Because now, now I'm going, it actually is getting tougher now. Because now I'm not just going to actions, I'm going to attitudes. This is where we get right into the heart, heart, heart of the matter. Because Mark 12, 41 says, he saw how. Everybody say how. He saw how the people put money into their treasury. See, Jesus doesn't just watch what you do. He watches how we do what we do. In other words, he sees my attitude. He sees my heart. And see, people that give on a regular basis, they love what it does to their heart. People that don't, they hate how they feel. Okay? And so what is your attitude when you give? I wonder if Jesus is listening to your conversations. Maybe he was listening to the conversations of these people as they were walking out of church. I, I, I think... I think he could have heard or seen some of those conversations. Maybe they were saying, well, if I do this, then I can't do that. If I give this, then we can't go to Piccadilly later. Sorry, my son's going to be mad at me. If I, if I you know, if, if I say yes to this, I'm going to have to say no to that. Like, what, how do you think that made Jesus feel? Or how do you think, what do you think he thinks about? Maybe, maybe some of the potential attitudes were some walked out angry that day. They were upset, you know, like, come on, hurry up. You know, we got to get to the buffet. Let's move, let's move, let's move. We don't have time for this giving thing, you know? Maybe some people are doing it begrudgingly, you know, like, the, the, you know, the kids are coming, Dad, can I put something in the offering box? Yeah, 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 yeah. No gold, no silver coins, only brass. No, no hundreds, no fifties. I got some singles. Okay. Maybe they were begrudging about it. You know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, and some people do it for this. And, and this is subtle how this would happen, especially in a church like this, because we don't pass a plate, but people do it for show. You know, I, I want to, I want people to know what I give. You know what? I think when our heart is really circumcised in the right, it, it's set right when it comes to giving. I, I don't think people do, do, do it for show. I think they like to know that you know that they're moving the ball down the field, but I think it's not about a public display. That's a bad sign, and it probably means that money still has our heart if we're doing it for show. Is everybody with me? Why? Because Jesus sees attitudes no one else sees. Do you know that right before this took place, Jesus was upset with the religious people, uh, the Pharisees. In fact, in Mark 12, 38, are you guys getting something out of this, everybody? In Mark 12, 38, it says, Beware of the scribes who desire to go around in long robes, they're, they're, all their, their bling, Love greetings in the marketplace. Everybody liked me. Everybody thinks I'm awesome. The best seats in the synagogue, front row, you know, rut row. And the best places at the feasts. Look at this. And then it says, who devour widows' houses. I circled that. And for pretense, make long prayers. These will receive greater condemnation. See, there's two things that Jesus hates. He hates greed and he hates pride. And these Pharisees were all about, you know, uh, they were all about the show and they were all about the dough. They're all about, you know, what, what people think of me and what I can get for me was their preoccupation. In fact, these verses, and history records as well, that these scribes were going to these widows and through uh, religious manipulation, convincing them to give up uh, their estates and give over their inheritances and give over their houses. And in exchange for religious credit... With God, they would do that and then be employed for a quarter of a penny a day. And Jesus is seeing this happening and he sees red. He's fired up about that. And these people, he's basically saying, should be helped, not we should be stealing from them. Can I have an amen out there? And so God's trying to do something 
with our attitudes and with our hearts. I'm going to invite the campus pastors online and also in Framingham to join me at this time. And you guys can put away your notes. I want to, I want to just have a moment kind of where we, where we talk to God a little bit because I'm not sure how much more you guys can handle <laughs> at this time. But here's what's going on in this story. This is actually the last week of Jesus' life. It's actually the Tuesday before he would go to the cross. Interesting, you know? And it's, it's during the Feast of Tabernacles. It's after the Sabbath. And, you know, why was he going to the cross? He was going to the cross to, and to, to redeem hearts, to redeem hearts. And he got upset in this story because he saw hearts. He saw the masses whose hearts had not been touched, had clearly had not been redeemed. I don't think you can do the work of God until you've, redeemed, you've been redeemed by the work of the cross. And some of us have been redeemed by the work of the cross, but we're not letting God condition our hearts through acts of obedience and faithfulness to him. See, resources, money, reveals our attitudes. It reveals our hearts. And our hearts control our attitudes and then, then our actions. And so he saw the actions of the rich. Let me tell you something. You're all rich. According to statistics, you're all filthy rich. And so he wants your heart. And he never wants riches or money or resources to control you. How do you think he feels when your heart isn't into being generous? How do you think he feels? See, I know sometimes in the past... Uh, I'm watching my daughter train my grandson on how to clean up. Clean up time. It's clean up time. And she's like, come on, Hudson, we need to clean up. And he's in a stage and age right now where, you know what, sometimes he don't want to clean up right now. And so he kind of, you know, he's kind of like stomping his feet where he goes off to obey. See, I think sometimes we're doing that. Some of us are not doing it at all, or sometimes we're doing it, we're stomping our feet. God wants us to be yielded and submitted. He doesn't want just obedience. He wants submission, which is a, which is a heart attitude. Can I have an amen? amen? So with every head bowed, every eye closed, let me pray for you. See, I think, I think if you're here today and you think he doesn't care about you, he doesn't know you, he does. This story tells us that Jesus sees you. Jesus sees where you are. He sees the condition of your heart. I promise, and this story confirms that. I think that he sees if you're here today and, and you're wondering if he, if he knows what you're doing. He sees you when you're on the computer. He sees you in your marriage, in your relationship. He sees you in the workplace. He sees you when no one else sees you. He sees your giving. He see, Jesus sees you. He sees not just how you live, but even how you give. And Jesus sees, most importantly, he sees your heart. He sees the condition of your heart. And he sees your attitude, and he sees the condition of your heart. And Jesus came to earth, and he came, and eventually he went to the cross. And the reason that he did that, again, was to, to change hearts. It's a work of the cross for that to happen. But you have to come to the cross. You have to come to him and say, God, I need, I need you to change me from the inside out. And so I'm going to pray for two groups of people. One of you, and this is for Framingham, and this is for Ashland as well, and this is for our online campus. I want you to respond to this wherever you are, okay? And so some of you are just far from God. You're not distant. You're disconnected from God. And for you to come close to God, you have to come to him, and he'll do something inside your heart. He'll change you from the inside out. Now, some of you are not disconnected. You're distant because you've been disobedient, because you're not following through. He knows, he knows how not just you live again, but how you, how you give. And God wants to do something in your hearts as well. But for that first group that's out there today, 
that's, that's here today as well. If you know you're, you're disconnected from God, Jesus made a way so you could be connected to him. He actually lived a sinless life. He died on a cross to pay for the sins of humanity, past, present, and future, so that you could be in relationship with him. And he rose on the third day so you could overcome in this life. And if you will accept what? That by grace, he gives you that gift, and by faith, receive that. The Bible says you can be saved. And so if that's you, I want you to just take a bold step with every head bowed, every eye closed, everybody very still. I want you to just raise your hand and say, Pastor, as a sign and a show of faith, I want to come to Jesus. I'm raising my hand today. And you can do that right online. You can click that little banner below, Framingham. You can raise your hand right now if that's you, just as a sign that's telling God, that's telling Jesus, because he sees. And those of you that are here, you can do the same thing. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, I want to pray for those people who raised their hand. You can put your hands down, and you can agree with me right now and say this prayer. Would everybody join me in this prayer? Say, thank you, Jesus, that you see my heart. And my heart today is surrendered to you. I submit my life to you, to the work of the cross. Change me from the inside out. Do a new work in my heart. Make me a new creation in Christ Jesus in accordance with your word. Today is the day of salvation for me. Now, for everybody else who's here, and, and you struggled with this whole resource thing, and the Holy Spirit is bringing a healthy, wholesome conviction to your heart, and you want to respond. You know that God's doing something in your heart, and you've been resistant maybe for a long time, or maybe you got off track, and you want to get back on track. If you know that's you, if you know you struggled with this, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm just going to ask you in your own heart and with your prayer to submit and yield to him by the Holy Spirit. If that's you, I want you to pray with me. In fact, let's just all pray together in this one prayer. Let's just say this. Say, Jesus, I know that you see me. You see how I live. You see my actions. You see people that no one else sees. And you see my heart. Today, I yield my heart to you. In addition, I yield my resources to you. I give Jesus the wheel. I surrender control. Father, I pray that you do a work in my finances. Help me to be generous and obedient to you as you lead me in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen and amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a big hand clap. Come on, Framingham. Come on, online campus. Let's thank Jesus for the work that he's done. Amen, amen, amen.